Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. I am so, so excited for you guys to hear this interview of Lauren Lees. She is an incredibly talented interior designer who truly uses nature as inspiration for everything that she does. So that means designing interiors, but also creating textiles, doing cool collaborations when it comes to furniture, rugs. She has um, a retail shop. She's got a real estate brokerage and she has five kids, husband, dogs, chickens, the whole nine. But Lauren is so generous, so down to earth and just such an incredible woman in person. You really get to see that if you've read any of her books, she's published multiple books, more in the works that you'll hear about. But you guys, Lauren Lease is an absolute gem and I am just so grateful that we got to hear from her. You are gonna love hearing about her design philosophy, how to bring the outdoors in, what she does for gardening as a super busy woman. She's always finding time for it. She shares about that. I cannot wait. I just cannot wait. Let's jump in. Lauren, hello. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for coming on today. We are so excited to have you and hear all the good news about what you've got going on. Well, yay. I'm so excited to be here. So I have to admit, um, I'm a huge fan, obviously, and I know we've chatted a little bit um, through like Instagram DM, but I have read the books. And so this morning I was up early reading through all my underlines and it was just such a treat actually to get to spend that time doing that this morning. Oh, thank you. I think that it's really incredible to find someone who really has this authentic way of expressing themselves and you've made such a brilliant career out of it. Um, and I'm just excited to sort of dig into some of the background. I don't want you to have to reiterate any stories that you've already told and already written about. Um, but there were just a couple things that stood out to me that I think are so overarching and I'm very excited that you have a brand new rug line that just came out. And yes. I'm excited to hear about how you weave nature into that specific project because I know that is sort of your specialty. Yes, yes. Um, we're super excited about that um, collection with Rugs USA. And, um, you know, one of the big things I do when I write about and talk about a lot is just incorporating natural elements uh, inside the home. I, I design interiors, but being outside is really my favorite place to be. Um, so I'm always bringing in natural elements. And that's what I really wanted to do with this rug collection. So many are in most of the rugs in the collection are actually natural fibers. They're jutes, seagrass, uh, sorry, seagrasses, <laughs> sisal and seagrasses. Um, and that's a really great place to bring natural materials in because the floor just takes up so much space um, in a room. And so when you get that really large layer of natural texture and you're bringing in a true authentic element 
from outdoors inside, it really just kind of changes the feeling in a space and, and makes it feel more natural and it just breathes a little bit differently. Well, I checked out the line. Um, we are in the market for rugs indoor and out who, who isn't always, because you're right. They, they're such a statement. My husband's favorite movie is The Big Lebowski. So we're always joking about the rug, like tying in the room. It's from the movie. But um, I just love how the natural, I think it's hard to find the natural fibered rugs, but also that have a really elevated, sort of like sophisticated yet laid back feel. And I feel like you've really achieved that. Yeah, we had a lot of fun playing with different patterns and textures. Um, some of them are just very classic, timeless, basic, but then other ones were kind of playing with the weave to sort of make like diamond patterns or tile patterns and that kind of thing or stripes or what have you. That's so cool. Well, yeah. um, aside from this rug project, I know that your primary specialty is designing interiors and getting to watch you take over homes and transform them is total magic. Um, and I wanted to ask what, so how does your normal workload kind of go? Like how many design projects do you have going at one time? We probably have, I want to say maybe around 12 to 15 at all times, but in different phases. Um, so some of those are um, just on paper and we have not broken ground yet. Others of those are, we're full swing. And then other ones are sort of like the clients that just are always there. <laughs> and they are kind of always expanding or buying new houses or um, just adding new projects. Um, so yeah, so where it's, it, I have a small team, it's my husband and myself, and then we have three other team members. Um, and we just kind of keep it small because I really like to have a hand in every single thing that goes out our door. Um, and yeah, we just love, love doing it. That's incredible. That's a lot. That's a lot of things simultaneously going at once. Um, and I know you're running a family and, and all of that. I, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know it always from the outside looking in, it's always like, how do you do it all? And then every time I've asked that question or been asked that question, it's yeah. the same, which is like, you don't, you know, you have to, figure out. Yes. <laughs> um, what are the ages of your kids? They, um, so it goes, let's see, we got five, seven, 10, 12 and 15. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. They're, they're a fun group. They're so cute. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask and jump kind of quickly into the landscape and gardening side of things. I sure. haven't, I, do, I guess I don't know the answer to this question. Do you ever design, do the landscaping for design clients? I don't. I only do it for myself and our uh, investment properties. Oh, so cool. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely assert my opinions <laughs> and I work with a lot of times, like we've got a couple jobs right now where I'm working with a landscape designer who I love. Um, and I'll almost work as like a liaison for the client with our landscape designer. So I'll kind of just pull inspiration and sort of give her what we're looking to do, but she does all the work and the brain power and all of that. Yeah. Um, Whereas when it's my own place, you know, I'm drawing it out and, and doing it from scratch. Um, so I've been on both ends of it. I, I, I love both sides. So in your books, when it comes to design, um, 
I remember reading something about planning where you kind of talk about how you run a little bit type A when it comes to planning so that in the actual like living within the space, you get to have so much more freedom and be a little bit more laid back. Is that, yes. would you say that's the same for your garden planning style? You know, it depends on the garden. Um, When I'm doing some of the more uh, structured uh, kind of French potager type gardens, that is more how I operate. Um, But when like the property that we're moving to right now, it's going to have sort of that contained uh, space. But then when we have a property and it kind of goes down towards the woods. So at that point, it it's definitely, I'm going to be a little bit looser. I'm trying to release my my crazy a little bit and not, <laughs> not be so anal about it. So we're doing things like we're creating a meadow. And so we're creating drifts. And I, literally, I pictured myself staking out every single drift and like planning it out perfectly. And things just got really busy. And I was like, you know what? I need to let go a little. <laughs> so I just said to our lawn guys, I was like, go just pull out the, we have to pull out the existing um, ryegrass that's like just taken over the hill. Mm. And we're going to slowly start pulling that out and then putting in um, wildflowers and, and perennials. So instead of me mapping the entire thing out as I thought I would do, I figured this is a little bit further away from the house. I just let the guys pick. I was like, do 15 of them to start with and you pick where they go. And they did a great job. <laughs> so um, that's that's an example of me let, letting go a little and not being as as planning as much as I usually do. I love that. I know it can be hard. I'm also sort of like a a mix of like, I want some things in the garden to be super controlled and then other things to be kind of wild. But even in the wildness, I'm like, but I really want it to turn out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I want the daisies and the mix of grasses to be exactly at 80, 20. Yes. Yes. Um, Or I'm like very good obsessive about like the way the layering is going to look and then, you know, nature takes over. Um, But I'm actually, so with the meadowing project that you're doing, I know there's, there's sort of a a long, that's a long-term project. It takes kind of a long time to create a quote unquote natural meadow. Have you done a ton of research on that? I have, and I have determined that I cannot do it the real or the right way. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, (laughs) yes, I'm I'm gonna do my best to get more bees and birds to this this meadow, but I cannot do it sort of the real way. As I started researching it and what it would entail us to do, it's just it's just too much for us to kind of handle right now. Um, So I'm kind of going at it in a much less effective way that I think will still make us happy and bring a lot more biodiversity. Um, But no, it's it's not that real way, and I. Like there's so much we'd have to do to that, that hill to kind of get it to be a true natural meadow. And I feel like is forever home, even a term that you use, like it would be hard to invest so much time and energy into something when there are short-term approaches that are just as effective. Yes. And we, and we, for this house, for sure, we call it the forever home always with air quotes. Yeah. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah. But I think, and I think it's interesting too, when you start doing these things, I, I see all these sort of different camps of, you've got the, the camp that's like nothing other than natives, you know, Mm -hmm. no exotics. And I, I've realized I'm not in that camp. Yeah. Every now and then someone will, you know, write me and be like, but that's a, 
you know, that's fountain grass. It's African fountain grass. And I'm like, you know what? I really don't care. It's beautiful. It's going in. <laughs> so yes. I am not like above, um, I, I'm, I'm not at that point where I'm, I can be that dedicated to eradicating like all the fountain grass on my property that's already there. Um, yep. so it's, is definitely a line and I'm, you know, you, it's kind of like, I'm trying to do my part to bring as many native things in as I can. Um, but if there's some really beautiful perennials that are already on our property or that I see that catch my eye, they're, they're going to go in. <laughs> so. Well, and I think that, um, there's a little bit of miss people maybe misplace their passions because there are complementary climates and environments where having a non-native, but that just does really well in your ecosystem is, is yes. it's sort of equal in my opinion. So like where we are in Southern California, our climate's really similar to South Africa and Australia and planting mm-hmm. those non-invasive natives are still great for our ecosystem because they're still working in our soil. And so I feel like where you guys are, you're in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Northern Virginia, kind of right outside DC. Yep. Okay. So you guys would have, I'm sure a ton of similar climates all over the world, similar soils where you can still maintain the integrity, but you're, you don't have to use things that were like just in Virginia forever. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is not everything that's non-native is invasive. I think that's yeah. a huge thing to point out. Um, like I specifically know of plants that I have. I'm like, I've, I would have prayed for this thing to have dropped a seed and kept going, but it wouldn't, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, and I, you know, you'll get a note from someone that's invasive. I'm like, well, it, I, I've never seen it even. You know, <laughs> I wish, I wish it would be. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I'm, I wish carrots were invasive. I can't get a carrot. I like a carrot to grow where I am. That's too funny. That's too funny. Um, so tell me about, okay, specific. I want to get in the weeds a little bit about your personal gardens. Talk to me about where you are now and what garden spaces you have going. And then I guess I'd love to hear about how you plan like the herbs and the veg versus anything else you've got going on. If you have a cutting garden, like what does it look like for you right now? So my current house, this is a, this is a difficult one. We had actually planned to move out of here last summer or or this past summer or or spring. So I kind of did a really like half aid garden here because (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be there for this little amount of time. Um, So here I put in just sort of a long patch garden with everything that I normally need in it. So I've got my herbs um, really close to the patio, which I can access from the kitchen. That's how I would, I do basically all of my gardens um, if possible. I keep the herbs closest to the entry point so that I can just run in like barefoot from the kitchen when I'm cooking and and grab them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I will do flowers and veggies in the same, in the same boxes. Um, So I want to say so many times it's probably been because of a photo shoot or some sort of event where I'm like, gosh, my veggies haven't quite filled that filled out yet. Let's pop some flowers in. (laughs) So that just, Oh, you're, or it's like a, you know, a, a slow patch in the season. I'm like, I just need some, something in here. Um, so I, I end up doing that a lot too, but yeah, I'd say herbs and herbs closest. And then I sort of work flowers and vegetables around those. Um, our last garden, which I'm planning on doing again in our next garden, our more formal garden, um, is a gravel garden with raised, um, beds, cedar beds that we had made with six inch little bench seats around them. I really like Mm. having the seat on the top of the box because I love to just like sit and weed and like talk, have a glass of wine, kind of hang out, um, in, 
the raised beds are just amazing for that. Yes. I did caps on my beds this time around as well. And it's a total game changer. It really is. And you don't, you don't expect it. And the kids love it. You know, the balancing on it and it's, it's a good, good change. That's amazing. So I love, um, one of the things that I love that you do, and I know you have an app, um, is all the cooking and using like garden herbs and ingredients and folding them into normal life and creating recipes. Have you always been really into cooking? Like, do you cook most of the meals at home? You know, when life is manageable, yes. And when life is crazy, <laughs> we eat out way more than I than I would like. Um, and this house has been great, this sort of temporary house that we're in while our other house is being um, built or, or renovated um, has been great. And we haven't had, a, we thought we were going to sell it earlier than we did. So we did all of the work and got it done. So I've had so much more time to cook and, and that's been amazing. Um, but I've always sort of had an herb garden. I had gardens in high school. I would, you know, go to the woods and like grab snowdrops and put them in my own little plot in the woods. And um, I've always had herb gardens and flower gardens. So I, I would even, you know, I, I was like probably seventh or eighth grade, I would put herbs like on my Campbell's soup if I could. <laughs> that's so, amazing. Just kind of always, always done that. What do you feel like? Do you feel like you have any like go-to meals that are super garden centric that the whole family likes? I would say probably we're a big, we're big soup people. Um, so we almost every week have a soup. Um, as I hear my son like souping, uh, putting it in his bowl in the background, <laughs> um, we kind of always have some sort of soup going and that's kind of whatever's fresh in the garden or just with the herbs, you know, in the winter and stuff, it'll just be whatever we could save or what's dried. Um, that's, yeah, that's our go-to. I love that. Five kids is like a lot to get going on the same page for dinner. Like there's no time for cooking, like something for everyone different. Oh, oh yeah. No, none of that. We're like, I mean, honestly, so long ago, it was like, if you're not eating this, you will be hungry. Like, and they all eat. <laughs> so it works. I love how you talk about starting gardening at such a young age and you describe like the secret garden in the woods that you made. I think you said maybe with your mother. Um, I'm curious how you work with your own kids just in nature and in the garden. Do you guys get to do a lot of that? I, you know, I have to say sometimes some of them want to and some of them don't. So I'm kind of like whoever's in the mood, come out and do it. Um, right now, my two little girls, five and seven, are very, very into helping. Um, they love planting. We had, you know, the new garden, so it was completely empty at the beginning of the season. And so they love doing it. Um, but And one of the things that they all seem to love to do, or especially the young ones, is I'm like, okay, someone needs to go grab rosemary or basil or lavender. And they kind of go out um, and they, they seem to have fun picking from it. Everyone enjoys, I think, that more than than weeding, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. I love that. Um, yeah, it is hard, I feel like, just with the busyness of life to create a routine in the garden. How much time do you think you get to spend out there once you have like your garden established? You know, this year, it's been probably no time at all. And it's been almost completely decimated um, by the deer at our new place um, mm. on a normal, on a normal uh, year, I would say it's, it really varies sort of by what's going on in our life. When we're doing it right, I am in there almost every day. I love to just take a walk in the morning. 
um, and try to just like have a few minutes in there and kind of every evening. Um, one of the things we always do with our gardens is I, I like to eat in them. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Um, we, but we include a table in them so that we can actually sit and kind of go there when the weather's good every night. Um, that's been a, a good thing to really kind of get us in the garden. Um, so I'll, you know, and then the weekends, I'll definitely spend like a good chunk of few hours on Saturday or Sunday. Um, but then there's times when life gets crazy and I'll look out at my poor garden and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't been in here in two weeks and the weeds have gone crazy and you know, it's a hot mess. So it ideally, you know, almost every day, but there, there are definitely times when it's, we're, we're getting that. And then times when I'm, I'm like, what garden? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that something I'm on like a personal mission for people to understand and get to see is how someone like yourself, like incredibly busy, dynamic woman, you've got a family, you've got a business, but you still have, you're still making time for this. I don't want to say, I don't like to call it a hobby, but maybe like this passion that you have. And I just think that's so important for people to see how it doesn't have to be something. I don't want that to stop anyone from like, I could never garden. I don't have time. It's like, oh yes, you do. And, And it's true that that time it's meditative. The time that you spend in the garden, it gives you hours back in the rest of your week. It's kind of crazy. It grounds you, it centers you. Um, It's kind of similar to working out. You know, it's just one of those really healthy, good things for you, getting that time in nature. I think we just think more clearly and operate better on a regular basis or on a daily basis when we're regularly spending that time in the garden. Oh, for sure. I read an article recently. I think it was through like the Royal RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society in Britain about how doctors were starting to literally just prescribe time, daily time in the garden instead of like an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. And they were just seeing the benefits come back so positive. Absolutely. I, I will send you, I'm forgetting the title of it right now, this book, that I read, which had, it was, and it was the same thing on, you know, the prescription for just taking a walk 15 minutes and what it does. And a study where they had people take like a walk indoors and kind of measure their mood and their ability to answer questions and solve problems. And then they had other people walk through a city and they had other people walk through, I think a park in the city. And the results were crazy beneficial for the people who'd had the walk in nature as opposed to the other walkers that had not. It's, it's incredible. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. I've also, I mean, I geek out on like weird studies about this stuff, but especially when it comes, (laughs) when it comes to kids and they, they say like even children in a classroom that have a window that can show some sort of like a green belt or some sort of nature, their performance Mm -hmm. on tests and just their focus in general is, you know, it's measurably better than children who don't have that. And I just think it's like, how can we, I mean, I don't know that anyone's trying to deny that as a fact, but like, how can we make that accessible for everyone? And I think, I think this, the hard part is it's often there, right? The nature's there. It's just our crazy, busy, demanding schedules and what we expect of the kids and all that they have to learn and the tests they have to study for and blah, blah, blah. There's there's not actually the time for the nature that's right there. I think that's the, the thing we really need to figure out how to how to change. I so agree with you. I've done a lot of research for my 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 poor husband. I'm like, have done so much research on like forest schools and Waldorf education. And yeah. we, we kind of are in a more traditional route with our family, but there's, I just 
you know, I wish there was so much more time outside as like the very beginning point for the kids. Yeah. I mean, hopefully as these studies are published and become more known, something will change in the educational system that exposes, you know, kids to more nature on a daily basis. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I think COVID opened a lot of eyes for a lot of people on that too. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Um, okay. Speaking of studies, books, resources, do you have any favorites when it comes to gardening or nature? I feel like you're, you're pretty well read. Um, okay. I do. I'm going to pull them out. Okay. I totally <laughs> sprung this on you, but I'm like, Ooh, I bet she has really good recommendations. Okay. I'm staring at it right now. One of my absolute favorite uh, favorites, and I'm not sure I'm saying her name right. Um, Jenny Blom, the mm. thoughtful gardener. Have you read that? No. Oh my gosh. It's, it's amazing. Um, and I'm, again, I'm probably butchering his name, but you know, a, a PA Udolf, I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Um, the incredible like perennial gardener. Mm. Um, she has a little bit of that in her. And then I get a little bit more structure and just kind of looking through it where she, she does kind of what my dream is to do or what kind of what we did in our old place too, where it's, it's very structured near the, the house. And then um, as you sort of layer through a property, it just relaxes and goes to nature. I love um, that. I'm, that one. And then um, another one I'm staring at right now is The Art of Outdoor Living, um, Scott Schrader. Oh, um, I am deeply obsessed with Scott Schrader. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. He's, I, I love his work. Um, who else do I love? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Um, you know who I get so much garden inspiration from are Brooke and Steve Giannetti. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just love, they, they can do no wrong. I love everything they do. And it just, how beautiful they've made like their barns look. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> um, yes. I've shown a lot there in California and I've shown my husband a lot of their work and I'm like, we could do this. And it's like, but that is, I mean, those are huge undertakings, but they, they transform they things in ways that are just they, the vision that they have for raw land is unbelievable. Yeah. They, they are just incredible. So, I want to go back for a second to talk about um, interiors because I think one of my favorite things that you used to do, not to sound like a fangirl, but was your homework assignments. Yes. And I know everyone's probably like, bring in the homework. And it's like, oh, I do need to do more. <laughs> but what I love about it and what I think I'm always on a personal mission to do, and I love seeing other people do it, is how do you bring, like, what do you think your tips would be or I don't know, just hacks for bringing the garden, nature, the outdoors inside your home in really interesting and seasonal ways. Because I feel like that sort of sense of hominess in place is really enhanced with those natural elements, but it can feel impossible to some people. It is. Um, you know, personally for me, when I'm bringing things in, I I like them to feel um, like like you understand the land they came from. So I think it's really important. Like I'm not excited to bring, you know, like roses from the grocery store home because they just feel like, you know, they were grown in a greenhouse for the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I think, it, you know, it's definitely important to think about when you're planting things, um, to think about what you actually want to bring inside your house. That's kind of, I mean, because I've got the interiors, uh, business, I'm always thinking, and because that's sort of my love, I'm always thinking when I'm planting something in the garden, how can I use this and how is this going to look in my house? Like I'm literally like, these are the colors I want inside. So yeah. they're going to go outside. Um, and 
And then it's just, you know, with homework, it's just about kind of seeing what you have around you. Um, I love to forage too. Um, I've, I've been doing a ton of foraging as, as we've been in our temporary house this year because I haven't been, you know, you just don't want to invest too much time and energy into a garden you're about to leave. Um, yeah. So I've, I've really been enjoying going into the woods and going onto our property that we're moving to and exploring and learning about a lot of the herbs and plants that are growing naturally there. So, so homework is sort of about a lot of those assignments are about looking around and seeing what season it is. So if it's fall right now is the perfect time to bring in branches because they have these beautiful colors on them. And it's something that's a little bit more unexpected than just, again, like the typical flower um, that you would just grab at the store. Um, I also love to like do things with the the plants other than displaying them. I'm I love to make like face masks for, you know, like do facials and put yogurt and honey and lavender bits and roses and and all of that kind of thing. So I I think it's just great for those sort of fun projects to do to really think about sort of all the aspects of how you can use plants. So that's obviously to look at as an arrangement, but then it's like eating and then it's, um, you know, teas and medicinal purposes. And then it's like using for beauty and, and how to, you know, or and aromatherapy, that kind of thing. So I'm kind of always thinking about all the different ways um, to make fun projects out of the same plants that you've got growing outside. I love that. I'm so with you on that. And I remember, um, I think uh, like sort of an unsung hero is hydrosols. Yes. And yes, I've yes, seen yes. you use those. And I was like, I don't see very many people using a hydrosol. I am obsessed. And you, if you use them, you know, they're very addictive. <laughs> so, um, our, our friends, um, Helen and Helen Norman at Starbright Farm, they have the this incredible line of hydrosols from herbs and flowers that they grow right on their garden there. Um, and we have them in our shop and I, I literally buy them by the leader. Like, I love them. <laughs> so. um, I'm a huge Helen Norman fan of her photography. And yes. when I found out she had a farm, I was totally geeking out. Like Helen doesn't know me at all, but we're <laughs> destined to be friends. So watch out, Helen. <laughs> no, you guys would love each other. She, she's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, I want to take a quick minute to share something with you. So I have tried making my own natural cleaners. I've tried buying natural cleaners from the grocery store. I've tried ordering natural cleaners from special websites. And dun, 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 I can finally definitively and passionately say that I have found the household cleaner that I love. I've completely transferred our home into using Koala Eco. It's the actual best. Here's why I love it. It's high impact, so it actually gets things completely clean. It's entirely and completely natural and sustainable. So the company has this incredible commitment to sustainability and to ethics. Everything's recyclable, post-consumer products. Like it's incredible, but the product itself is made with Australian essential oils. The packaging is pretty enough to be on display. Like seriously, I literally just put it on my counter and it still looks pretty. And the smells are gentle and beautiful. It doesn't smell harsh, but it doesn't smell floral. It doesn't smell too much of anything. It just smells good. I'm super picky about this. There's a ton more that I love about this company in general, but overall, it's a no-brainer. Koala Ego is my actual favorite. 
get the starter pack, buy one thing, subscribe. I've done it all, honestly. Thank me later. So go to baileyvantassel.com forward slash natural cleaning and get in on this scoop. Okay. So something that I ask everybody that I want to ask you is what is your favorite, I mean, you can choose a couple, but your favorite plant to grow. Like what do you always, always have to have growing? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I always have to have basil. So that's just, I'm not sure it's my favorite, but it just goes in so much of what we have. Mm. I probably always have basil and parsley, sort of like my stock herbs. Um, But what is my favorite thing to grow? I have sort of a current favorite that's new for me, um, are are grasses. And that's not Mm. something I've ever really done much of before. Um, But we we're the property that we're moving to has all of this really pretty like fountain grass growing in it, growing on it. And so I just find myself drawing, drawn to a lot of those sort of gardens that are full of perennials and grasses kind of mixed. Um, so I think, I think grasses are going to be on my, my favorite list. Um, but my, my favorite flowers are, are really the weeds. Um, Queen Anne's lace, uh, wild chicory, just, you know, the things that were always on the side of the road. So that's kind of what we're putting in our meadow too now is just sort of the, the weeds. Um, asters right now are, are also my other current favorite this year, which I'd never really given much attention to them mm. or, or noticed them. But we have wild asters on our property and we have, I forget what type of aster growing at our current house. And I'm just in love with them. They're just so beautiful. I love that. I feel like sometimes it takes like a level of intimacy with a plant before you really appreciate it. Like I feel like for me, like a marigold, like I never, like marigolds are so common. And then I remember growing like a specific variety and then using them in my cooking. And now they're a fan. For me, they're a huge favorite, but people are kind of like, what? (laughs) Yes, yes. And you you do, you develop that emotional attachment to it and that story. Um, like, you know, I'm sure like all, all the things that my grandma used to grow, you know, kind of bring me back to her. So, and, and when you said marigold, it was always marigolds. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like when you, when you do, when you develop that, that history with a plant, you're, you're, you love it in a new, in a different way. And, and it's weird because there's plants I remember thinking like, you know, five, 10 years ago, I have no desire, no appreciation for that. One of those was geraniums. Oh, I, yeah understand them. I just, I couldn't. And I, I, my grandmother always grew, my other grandmother always grew geraniums in pots and I just didn't fully get the beauty of them. And for some reason, a couple of years ago, I, I just, I don't, I suddenly like got them in a different way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, geraniums are so amazing. I'm like, why did I not think this before? But then the smell brought me back to her and brought me back to that. So yeah, interesting. I agree with you. So uh, similarly, geraniums, I kind of felt like, and this sounds so bad, we're like an old lady plant. And yes, <laughs> I found this recipe and this random book that my mom got gave me um, for rose scented geranium cake. And so mm-hmm. I was like, of course, I need to go find these rose, like the it's the leaves really that are super fragrant. These geranium leaves that smell 
like roses and then you bake like a just like a vanilla or like a white cake into like surrounded by these rose scented geranium leaves in Britain in the UK geraniums are more of a more of a vibe and they have like really cool varieties and I feel like that's often what happens too is you find this plant that's just sort of been like dumbed down for the masses you find this like special varieties and then you're like oh my gosh now I'm in love Totally. Like when you see what they're doing over there, when they're like growing out of the pot like crazy and it's just like going nuts. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful thing. It just reminds me of like an old conservatory or something. But then you see like the Home Depot little potted ones. You're like, really? I I don't know who is making these plant buying decisions, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. (laughs) We have a really great nursery just down the street from me. And they're always, I usually send them on like a wild goose chase to find these really bizarre and rare plants that you, I mean, you can buy so many cool plants now, like on Etsy and eBay, which is so weird, but they've got, they've got the goods. I love that. Well, they should listen to you because I bet they'd make some more money if they, if they took your plant uh, buying advice. Oh my goodness. Um, well, before I let you go, I know you are a busy woman. Um, I want to ask more about the projects you have going on. So I know you have your interiors company and you do a ton of amazing collaborations. Your Rugs USA line just came out. You've got the books you've published, which are must reads. I have them all over my house as like coffee table books, but then I go back to them whenever we're redecorating a room. Um, but what do you have on the horizon? What else is coming up? So I am working on another um, couple of books. We've got um, a beach book coming up, and then I'm working on a children's book, um, which I'm really excited about. I like have a couple of different ones that I want to write. So I'm literally, I, it's been on my to-do list to sit down and actually write it and pick which one's going first. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. And then um, just like more collections with um, just this, the furniture collections, the kitchen cabinet collections. Um, and again, yeah, the Rugs USA thing. Um, so it's been fun to sort of take, you know, do, keep the interiors business going. I have a really great team there um, who makes it really easy for me to kind of be creatively in the projects, but then they, they're amazingly talented and they're, they're great at kind of managing the jobs. So I don't really need to spend the time managing anymore, which is wonderful. It's really freed me up to write, do the product lines. And then we're always sort of looking at properties to buy and rehab and then resell slash flip. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, we've kind of always got some of those projects going on, um, at all times really. And then we have our real estate brokerage and that's just a, a really fun group of people and it's just growing and it's, it's been great to do. It's amazing. I mean, where, so first, where can everyone find you? And then second, like, do you have time management secrets that you need to <laughs> fill us all in on? Like, how do you stay no, motivated? I need, I need some, I need some. Um, they can see me on our, we have a new website actually that we just launched oh. um, this weekend. So I'm actually, I should have told you earlier, we are going to be dropping our app. Um, the initial concept of the app uh, was to do now what we're able to do on the new website, um, which it's it's really neat. So it kind of encompasses sort of all of my passions. So there's a section for interiors, section for garden, a section for foraging, food, music, um, and then videos. So it's it's really neat because it's sort of um, what we had going on the app, but in a more expanded version. So it's basically, I think I want to say, I don't know how long I've been blogging, but maybe 15 years of content sort of organized across those categories. And so we're really sort of ramping up communicating 
through the website. I mean, I'm sure you've seen, but as Instagram has kind of been undergoing all of these changes, um, I've really been trying to think about ways to sort of take ownership uh, mm-hmm. again, you know, to our own website with our own content. I started realizing that for so many years, my content was sort of all on Instagram and I'd kind of let it go from my original blog that yeah. um, was fine at the time. But then when you start seeing all these changes, you kind of question, well, gosh, will this company always be there? Will I lose all of my content? You know, um, and, you know, with the push for video over photos one week and then the next it's whatever, like it's really hard to keep up. <laughs> so I'm kind of going back to the basics um, of developing sort of a really close relationship with my blog again and the, and the people on there. And so that's been really, really fun to, to get started again. That's amazing. So is it just, is it the same, is it uh, laurenlease.com? Yep. It's just laurenlease.com. And then we took our laurenlease.com used to be our interiors business website. So we moved that off and that's laurenleaseinteriors.com. So now laurenlease.com is just a, it's a really fun place where every day we're loading recipes. I think we've got 90 some recipes that we're loading right loading up right now. A um, bunch of foraging tips and, and adventures. All of the homework videos are now on there because it's way easier to watch on there than um, YouTube or Instagram. And then I'd sort of do these little video episodes every time we're doing our own house projects. So mm. all the house project episodes are also on there. Um, also mixed in with um, after photos and, and kind of all the house tours and all that. Brilliant. I agree with you. I mean, and I'm, I've am i been pretty open about like one of the reasons I wanted to start even the podcast is so much of my business was on Instagram. And especially since mm-hmm. I don't have like a brick and mortar or a service-based business um, anymore. It's just there's so much content being created, but it, it lives and dies within hours on yeah. Instagram. So having, I mean, I have a website and, and all the jazz, but I think that's so smart that it's hard to change your mindset for creating for a website and a blog and then pushing it to social media when sometimes yeah. we've kind of been doing the opposite. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's less instant gratification, which is always a little tricky. It is. And, you know, of course the the app of Instagram is so easy to use, you know, and yeah. it's like, when you have to go and do the, you know, but I, I think it's worth it. I've, we've done it the other way. I went to that. And as that, cha- I think that's the thing. We, I guess we always have to be ready to just sort of shift and change and pivot as the whole social media landscape changes again <laughs> yeah. and keep moving with it. Do you feel like it's been really important for your trajectory in business though, to be plugged into social? Absolutely. You know, when um, I'm doing a book deal or a product launch deal, any of that, they look at those numbers. They, they look at the engagement on the post. They look at the comments. They look at everything. All of that is sort of an asset um, that I've you know had to kind of work on in order to be of value to these other companies that are considering partnering with me. Yeah, totally. It's it's a wild world. It's so crazy. It is. It is. And I, I'm so grateful for it because I think, you know, how would any of us be, be able to do any of this without it? Oh, for sure. Um, but it's also, you know, it's it's the double-edged sword because it takes so much time and, you know, takes you away from being present a lot I, I for myself, for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. That's the debate always is how do I healthfully compartmentalize this. So it's not stealing presence, but also still providing value. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answers. I don't either. I think it's just, if we're always trying, (laughs) trying to, and keeping the balance in, in 
uh, in our minds and, and trying to attempt it, you know, it's better than if we just don't think about it. But yeah, I don't, I don't have the answer either. Well, it's amazing to see what you've been able to do with a really small team. I think that's super inspiring and exciting for anyone who wants to embark on a similar journey because it does, you know, when you're passionate about it, I feel like it's, you can find ways to make really incredible things happen. And I'm excited. I'm going to go check out today the new Lauren Lee's website because it sounds super dynamic. Okay. Okay. There are still problems on there. So don't judge too harshly. (laughs) There's still some kinks we're working out. Believe me, I will not. I will not. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This is such a treat. You are such a beautiful just contribution to the world and the way that you see things and design things. It's incredible. So thank you so much for just sharing insights. You are too. Your posts just make me so happy and your video. I just, I just love anytime you're posting. It's just so real and, and, and a piece of sunshine. So truly right back at you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, we will talk soon and I'm excited to stay in touch. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Bye. 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 I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.